All right, greetings, friends. Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is June 30th, 2023. So today I'm going to just give a deep dive take on what was the most critical macro event of this week, um, if not this month, in terms of major central banks' um, public engagements. Okay, And that would be the ECB hosting their annual gathering in Central Portugal, um, which was you know a few days long, but it ended with a panel featuring Fed Chair Jay Powell, ECB President Christine Lagarde, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey, and of course, Bank of Japan Governor Ueda, who made his first international English-speaking appearance since becoming the governor of the Bank of Japan. So for those who missed that event, I definitely suggest watching it in full if you just want to catch up on uh, the major central banks and their respective policy stances all in one sitting. But I'm going to focus on Governor Ueda from the Bank of Japan, um, for which I've compiled uh, and will just play back footage uh, from from this event. And given that my voice is still a bit shot, that will allow for him to do the talking for me. Okay, um, But what this event revealed is critical for global monetary policy um, and the interrelationships and workings that are going on kind of behind the scenes almost, which I'll get into towards the end. But we need to go over Governor Ueda, okay? Because, again, this is his first public appearance um, in on the international stage in English. And the surprisingly delightful spotlight uh, that he's kind of stole um, away from this whole thing, right? And, and this isn't coming from me, right? I'm sure by now that you've probably seen clips of him on stage. This guy's just, like, cracking jokes, making the audience applaud with, like, laughter. And he was very well articulated with his delivery and all that. But... There's far more to this than Ueda and his jokes, for that matter, um, for for markets, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to divide these sort of clips into two types of responses that Governor Ueda gives. One is where Ueda has a response for, as in any response for, and then the other grouping as in what he is purposely sidestepping, what he does not have a response for. And that kind of difference, right? That's going to be the premise of this episode and what that reveals. Um, and before I get into this too, I just want to just first acknowledge Sarah Eisen of CNBC, who, who she was the host of this panel of these four people, these four people, these four most powerful people in the world, right? Um, Sarah Eisen absolutely fantastic job that she did um and the very incredibly pointed and direct questions um and areas that she fearlessly fearlessly went into which you'll see in a minute okay so first let's see what governor ueda at his international debut is happy to talk about apparently well kicking off with uh bank japan's you know outlier policy framework um, and maintaining easing despite C CPI readings that are coming in well above the Bank of Japan's uh, own 2% CPI goal. This is his explanation for that. Ueda, I mean, first of all, it's great to talk to you. We haven't heard much from you outside of your policy meetings in Japan. I think the world wants to know why you're the global outlier here. You have decided to maintain your easier monetary policy in the face of rising inflation. Why? So uh, a simple answer would be, although the headlining rate of inflation is above 3%, which is well above the 2% inflation target, uh, we think underlying inf inflation is still a bit lower than 2%. That's, be that's why we are keeping policy unchanged at the moment. Even though we've seen measures, including 
Including core, right? Higher than the yeah, 2% level. Yeah, the yield core is, is also above 2%. If you want a 2% inflation rate, wage inflation that's consistent with that would be slightly or well above 2%. So there's still some distance to go, we think. And as a result of, of your policy being different than all these policies of your, of your colleagues, the yen has gotten very weak and continues to weaken by the minute. Is it too weak? Well, the yen is infl being influenced by many factors other than our monetary policy, including the policies of these three banks. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we, we monitor the situation very carefully. Monitoring the situation? Yes. For intervention purposes? No, no. I, <laughs> it's the ju jurisdiction of the Ministry of Finance. Decisions on intervention. Wow, look at that. Governor Uriga is taking direct shots at the three other major central bankers sitting right next to him. Effectively, what he just said, or what he perhaps reminded us of, was that currencies are indeed pair trades, and as the Bank of Japan has been policy unchanged, then perhaps it's not so much JPY weakness as it is JPY just being static, and rather it's the other currencies that are strengthening in line with their respective monetary policy moves. Now, I'm not agree agreeing or disagreeing with this notion. I'm merely pointing out that, A, this is indeed one lens to look at the yen through, but B, more significantly, this guy is swinging at his peers on stage, like, right off the bat. And it's absolutely not the last time in which Ueda talks very openly and comfortably in relative terms to the others sitting next to him. If not just outright commentating on the other central banks with his own thoughts, which we'll see right, right away, right here. Governor Ueda, do you think that they are over-tightening? No. <laughs> no, you don't. You're, you approve of the, of the policy. Okay, now, that is a hell of a discourse, because it's one thing for a panel host to ask a major central bank head what they think about the job of that of another, or some other major central bank head, um, especially in front of them in the first place. It's, it's one thing to do that in the first place. It's another thing altogether for said central banker to actually respond to it. Perhaps she asked because she sensed that there would be an actual response that would come out of Ueda. Um, now, as to the response itself, right, I suppose if he was going to answer with anything other than I'm not going to comment on what my fellow central bank peers are doing, which is the obvious standard response, if he's not going to do that, then the response to, you know, are they over-tightening, i.e., are they doing it wrong, the response would, of course, be no, as he said. But remember, he just attributed yen weakness to what these other central banks respective policies are so if that's the case and these other central banks are not over tightening then is that implying a self-admission perhaps unrealized of boj is over easing and another way i thought about this particular remark was okay like so if he's genuinely if he genuinely thinks that the fed the ecb and the bank of england are not over tightening in their given circumstances then presumably should Japan CPI continue to trend towards US, UK, and Eurozone levels higher? Okay. 
then would he therefore take similar actions for the Japan rate policy and just rip them higher as well? If he thinks that what they're doing is appropriate in their given circumstances. Okay, and so on that note, let's get back to Sarah Eisen's very direct and pointed questioning. What would it take for you to really strongly consider abandoning the yield curve control and negative rates? So we, we have a forecast or a, a projection of inflation path that looks like it's going to go down for a while toward the end of this year. And from there on, we are forecasting some increase in, in the rate of inflation into 24. But we are less confident about the second part. If we, get re if we become reasonably sure that the second part is going to happen, that could be a good reason for a policy change. If you see a steady increase? Uh, if we are reasonably sure that the second part is going, second part of the forecast is going to. But didn't material. you learn from, from these three that inflation turned out to be not transitory? And that there are some elements of it that are sticking and proving difficult to fight? Right. So the second part is the sticky part. But it's still, as I said, we think less than 2%. We hope to make sure that it's going to go up to 2%. Okay, wow, I love that. Didn't you learn from these other three that inflation is not transitory, right? Uh, this is what I'm talking about, okay? By the way, his response is essentially, Japan is trying to achieve that circumstance that the, the other three are in, i.e. like sticky inflation is a nice problem to have, right? Listen to what he says about how they have to first de-anchor inflation expectations from from being flat but then in the future have to re-anchor them in you know in, in the future which is the exact dilemma that the other three on stage are are currently in and are desperately trying to uh you know fight their way out of okay wow i love that didn't you learn from these other three that inflation is not transitory right uh, this is what I'm talking about, okay? By the way, his response is essentially, Japan is trying to achieve that circumstance that the, the other three are in, i.e. like sticky inflation is a nice problem to have, right? Listen to what he says about how they have to first de-anchor inf inflation expectations from, from being flat, but then in the future have to re-anchor them in, you know, in, in the future, which is the exact dilemma that the other three on stage are, are currently in and are desperately trying to uh, you know, fight their way out of. Governor Wada, the inflation expectations, because they've crept up in Japan as well. Yes, um, we've been for a long time trapped in a zero inflation, zero inflation expectations equilibrium. So we've been trying very hard to move this to a 2% inflation, 2% expectations equilibrium. Uh, to do so, we had to uh, de-anchor expectations from zero, raise inflation expectations, and in the future, we'll have to re-anchor them at 2%. This is a formidable task, and now we, we, we are seeing signs that inflation expectations are rising. But as I said, not to the extent that we are fully in, in the 2% uh, inflation 
inflation expectations equilibrium. Governor Weda, do you worry about the, the impacts, the lagged impacts of their policies on the global economy and on your economy? Oh, yes, but uh, for ourselves, uh, we haven't had any serious monetary tightening for three decades. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I was a board member of the BOJ 25 years ago. Then the policy rate was about 20, 30 basis points. Wow. Now, minus 10 basis points. So, and it doesn't sound it, like it's changing anytime soon. So in, in terms of that, uh, the lag in the effects of monetary policy could be at least 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what, what will happen if we get to normalize policy seriously. Uh, but we'll have to be very careful here. Be careful what you wish for, I guess. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Look at Kazuo Seinfeld here with these monetary zingers. All right. So actually, no, that's that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. But now, okay, listen to now how Fed Chair Jerome Powell, who at this point is a second-term reappointed seasoned veteran central banker with countless public appearances under his belt, listen to how Chair Powell handles a similar line of questioning that tries to get him to comment on his other peers. So, Chair Powell, are you more worried about the lag impacts than they are because they're still hiking rates? I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to compare. Now, look, some might find it kind of a cop-out what he did or whatever. Some might find it refreshing that Ueda is answering these types of questions while the Powells are doing the kind of standardized deflection, right? Personally, I don't care either way. But here's what I'll say. The way that I'm watching this type of interaction and the differences in the public decorum, if you will, is that this is what it essentially looks like when you get a brand new guy in the in the role, right? For who, for better or for worse, he is not yet institutionalized with like that, you know, how to and how not to act in this most powerful and sensitive role in which you know one sentence can move trillions of dollars around the world. This is a rare moment that you're getting of this like new guy honesty, accidental or otherwise, or at least you know, like just some sort of transparency, relatively speaking. Okay, and so keep this in mind, especially for the final question that I'm saving for the end of this. Okay, so here's back to Ueda uh, on the economy. How's the Japanese economy faring? I mean, it's very exciting if you look at the Japanese stock market at a 30-decade high. What's happening fundamentally? It's doing fairly well, expanding at a pace slightly above potential, I think, uh, driven by pent-up demand. We relaxed uh, pandemic-related restrictions uh, in, in May, and this is uh, stimulating consumption and investment. We think uh, the economy is going to expand at slightly above potential for some, for some time. But... There's, of course, a lot of uncertainties going forward, in, including what may happen in, in Europe and the United States. All right, so once again, he can't help himself but slip into, you know, this, like, slight jab to his, like, fellow peers, right? And these, like, risks brewing in other economies. Like, in other words, what he's saying is, like, Japan's fundamentals are solid, and so if the stock market rally falters, it's because of a spillover from the, one of these other guys' economies. 
But for now, Ueda is going to take full advantage of like touting the strength and the outperformance of the Japan stock market. Governor Ueda, how important is it, is it to you, the markets, as it relates to financial conditions and the mechanism for monetary policy? I mean the stock market? Stocks, bonds, currency. So stock prices have been rising fairly sharply uh, since, since spring this year. Um, stock prices theoretically are affected by interest rates and investors' view of the economy. We haven't changed interest rates, so uh, probably investors have become more optimistic about the future of the economy. Of course, we don't want serious financial imbalances in the economy, so we keep monitoring. Okay, so she asked about markets in general, right? And, but he just gravitates towards the stock market, which is something that even Governor Kuroda didn't go near. Right? See this meme clip I made of myself and Kuroda uh, from a long while back. Through that, in the last uh, year and a half, oil prices continue to decline. But uh, its impact. All right, what, what's your market view, though? Like, I mean, where's the Nikkei going to trade? I, I don't say anything uh, about uh, the correct price of stocks. <laughs> Bank of Japan is overburdened. <laughs> okay. Bank of Japan is doing okay. the appropriate things. <laughs> look, even Kuroda wouldn't go there. Um, but, look, I really can't blame Ueda for touting this rare moment of Japan as being the world's, like, shining economic star for this very, very rare moment. Now, here he is on China. But, once again, still roping in more like Japan positive commentary alongside the China commentary. In the short run, this is uh, having a small positive effect on the Japanese economy through business fixed investment. But in the longer run, there will be uh, inefficiencies all over the place. So uh, we'll see. So Japan's a beneficiary of the flight out of China. Uh, in, in one sense and in the short run, but in the long run, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, and again, that goes to the theme I've been discussing on market depth of Japan's foreign inflows happening at the expense of outflows from Hong Kong and China, um, or the, you know, the, the Nikkei versus Hang Seng Index long-short pair, right? All right, now, here's when things actually start to take a turn, a subtle turn which likely was probably overlooked by many who are uh, watching this, but an interesting turn nonetheless in, his, in Ueda's behavior of what he will answer and what he won't go into any depth whatsoever about, okay? Um, as well as for once explicitly staying in his kind of jurisdictional lane. I mean, any concerns for you, Governor Ueda, on the, on the strength of the global financial system at this point as we go through this, I don't know, once in several decades tightening period? I, I, I can only talk about Japanese banks. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they are well capitalized. They're capitalized. They have enough liquidity. Uh, it's true that some smaller banks, regional banks, are sitting on uh, non-negligible amount of valuation losses on their security holdings. But on average, that's about 1% of their core loan capital. So it would be okay. But 
if we do get to normalize our monetary policy, because we get into going to the 2% inflation rate equilibrium in the sense I discussed earlier, then rates may go up by large margins. And we will have to be careful. Uh, we'll have to be carrying out all sorts of stress tests. Okay, if we normalize our policy, then rates may go up by large margins such that it would require rigorous stress testing. Okay, that's a pretty big statement to make. It's nothing surprising, of course, because this is exactly what I've been discussing forever about the Bank of Japan policy change induced financial instability and volatility explosions and all that kind of risk. But he's letting us know that he knows that's a risk, if not an outright deterrent from policy normalization. Uh, or at least rushing into policy normalization, right? And by the way, if he's saying there would be, need to be rigorous stress tests, um, you know, on, on policy normalization, then presumably those stress tests would be taking place before ripping any Band-Aid off, rather than finding out what those stresses are in real time, as that would not that would not be a test or a drill, right? So. If they start te stress testing banks, that could be a very obvious signal. I don't think that's going to happen um, so publicly or so blatantly. But nonetheless, that's what he said. So again, pretty transparent answer from Ueda, right? Now listen to the glaringly empty nothing of any substance for this next very big and basic follow-up question. I also wanted to ask you if you go into a more normalization stance away from negative rates and the yield curve control, if you how you'll manage the risk of the, the government's enormous financing needs and whether that's a, a concern that you think about. Ah, great question, Sarah. So, Governor Ueda, guy who has spent his stage time talking about the other central banks, about currency, about equity markets, about financial system risk upon BOJ policy normalization. Let's hear the answer to what of this primary matter of the Bank of Japan's role in the JGB market? Well, uh, we, we keep saying that it's the business of uh, the government and the diet to, to, to create uh, sustainable uh, government finance. That's it? What, are you kidding me? Okay, so, you, so you're happy to talk about the other three individuals on stage. You're happy to talk about markets and asset classes that central banks typically shouldn't be talking about so openly, such as equities and currencies. But you have absolutely nothing on the Japanese government bond market and the still ongoing QE and permanently established JGB buying operations daily for an amount of unlimited, the artificial setting of the long end of the JGB yield curve, which keeps you know, ever-growing government borrowing levels and funding costs at rock-bottom levels, you know, the ownership of half of the outstanding government debt, the Bank of Japan monetizing and financing the enormously indebted Japanese government. As it, so as it relates to any of that, you have nothing. So that contrast is what I'm talking about that's extremely telling, okay? And that's why I'm showing you this breakdown of what he's apparently happy to talk about and joke about, appropriately or not, that's up to you and your own opinions, but the Bank of Japan is the JGB market. That's the one area in which 
it's not like uh, up for debate. It is absolutely appropriate to talk about, um, if not critical, to comment on. But instead, we get this. Well, uh, we, we keep saying that it's the business of uh, the government and the diet to, to, to create uh, sustainable uh, government finance. Now, just in case you thought that might have been just, you know, this uh, just a moment of who knows, but brain fog or whatever, right? And not like a pur purposeful dodge. Um, and that's something that I'm reading too deeply into, okay? Here's another chance that he gets to openly discuss the Bank of Japan's JGB activities and its holdings. Ask you guys about the, uh, the balance sheet, very hot topic. Um, Governor Weta, how do you think about the expansion of the balance sheet and how, how much is too much? Well, it's a tough question to, to answer. At the moment, uh, we are using government security purchases to, to hit the range for the long-term interest rate we have set, which is zero plus minus 50 basis points. So the size of the balance sheet is an endogenous variable. The rest of you are kind of in shrink, it, shrink mode. Seriously. All you did just now was describe, very oversimplistically, that you're doing yield curve control. The size of the balance sheet is an endogenous variable? No shit, right? That's not the question, and you know it. QE, quantitative easing, is balance sheet size targeting, right? We will buy X amount of assets per month or per year or whatever. Yield curve control, on the other hand, is price level targeting. Okay, we will buy an unlimited amount of assets at price level X. We get that. But any, anything on being the only central bank with a balance sheet that's 120% of GDP, absolutely massive relative to the size of the economy, and which is more than twice that of the next runner-up, which is the ECB at 60% of GDP at its peak, nothing on balance sheet expansion to these like experimental levels, let alone the unwinding of balance sheets, right? which is what the question at hand is. And the question, which, by the way, the other three, Powell, Bailey, and Lagarde, to their credit, they actually discuss their respective situations and their progress and, and, and processes on. Okay, so basically, it is a rookie, right? Um, I'm not saying this in an insulting, demeaning way or anything like that. Um, what I'm saying is that this is literally the first time at the rodeo. And... So while it may be a good tactic to be an amusing joke cracker, right, um, to introduce yourself to the international community by and, you know, being very openly talking about things that seasoned or institutionalized veteran peers on stage typically wouldn't, right, maybe that tactic is a, is a good thing, but that tactic will backfire if, you, if you're not consistently doing it when it comes to all matters, particularly when asked about questions about your own business. Because if you're not consistent, then it doesn't spotlight what you're saying, but rather it highlights what you clearly do not want to discuss for whatever reason it is that you don't want to. So that's what the broad takeaway of this whole like Ueda shtick is really, right? Now, look, maybe it might not be accurate to say that this is a rookie mistake maybe it's actually like a 
you know, quite an advanced move of chess playing in which he's overperforming in these other topics and areas so as to distract away from where he doesn't want, want to go. I mean, the press certainly took it that way. But either way, it's pretty obvious. Governor Wade and the Bank of Japan are in a situation where they cannot and will not talk about, you know, their most very basic operational role in the government bond markets. Um, and finally, maybe, just maybe, it's due to this. Check out this line of questioning, which once again, Sarah Eisen, I tip my hat to you for not just not only asking this in the first place, but you'll as you'll see, when Christine Lagarde sort of interrupts and derails the topic, Sarah Eisen then returns to, okay? So this is the last clip I'll show you. Do you guys coordinate? Do you talk amongst yourselves? Yeah, of course we do. I mean, do you, but, do you call it, before you policy know, meetings? Can, can, I, can yeah, I, just, please. I, I just want to follow up on what Jay said, because I, I think he's completely right. And I think I, that... I asked the, if you guys coordinated or, or talked about monetary policy before. I mean, is that, does that happen? Should it, should it be more coordinated? Because you're all doing different things right now. Well, I, I mean, I, I start. Let me just play back again when she's asking the question itself, because clearly there's hesitation to answer this amongst the panel, right? It's which is evident from Sarah Eisen, who is sitting there, right there, looking eye to eye, you know, into to everybody, and and knowingly, you know, reading that she's not going to get a response, and so she, therefore she needs to keep firing away and rephrasing the question while they all just kind of look around at each other, right, until someone budges. I asked if you guys coordinated or, or talked about monetary policy before. I mean, is that, does that happen? Should it, should it be more coordinated? Because you're all doing different things right now. Well, I, I mean, if I start, I mean, obviously what we don't do is say, well, what, what should we do? What should you do? Because we're all setting monetary policy for our areas. And that's the, yeah, that's the law in all of our areas, actually. So we don't do that. But we do talk a lot. And I think it's important. I mean, it's important at all times. But it's particularly important in recent times at the moment because we're facing such big global shocks. I mean, we've got common shocks. Uh, you know, they differ a little bit in terms of their impact and their effect. But there's some huge global events going on that are affecting all of us. So, you know, I think it's, you know, we do talk quite a lot and we see each other quite a bit because it's important we do that. And, you know, we share wisdom on how we're sort of interpreting the things that are going on around us. Yeah. I guess uh, we are in a flexible exchange rate world. So we do policies independently. But, of course, we, we exchange information, which is very, very valuable. And then in comes Governor Andrew Bailey. And what he says is, yes, of course we talk, and we talk a lot, which is, which is what Christine Lagarde did first say before she then brushed aside the, the subject. But what Andrew Bailey says is, he says, obviously, you know, what we don't do is say uh, what we should do, what you should do, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we get that. You're not dictating to one another what you, some other central bank should be doing. Nor yet, nor are you asking one another what to do. Obviously, we know that. But what you are doing, Governor Bailey and all four of you amongst yourselves, what you are doing is here is what we are going to be doing in policy, and here is what we won't be doing. You're revealing to each other ahead of time what your respective policy decisions are going to be. Obviously, that's what you're doing. Like what? That never comes up in discussion? 
let alone the purpose of these discussions and these frequent talks in the, in the first place. Amidst all of these like frequent inter inter central bank talking, are you seriously just calling each other, asking for like what a macro data point question or something? No, you're talking about the most extremely privileged like classified level matters uh, at the highest levels, right? There's no other reason for people at your level to be talking to one another. Okay, this isn't some like private practice of economic research for some small business, right? You each have an enormous staff of thousands in your organization. Okay, and I'm not just talking about like research and like PhD economists, right? I'm talking about even like hands on markets traders at the open market operations desks, the, the people with the unlimited firepower to execute and to shape so-called price discovery in the largest markets on the planet, government bond markets, right? You have all of that color at your disposal. You have all the resources that you need. Why are you talking to each other and so frequently? What in, for what information? You're talking about your respective policies and policies and intentions and preferences to one another. And you're doing so because knowing what others are doing can affect how you may carry out your own policies and vice versa. And so let me loop all this back to the newest guy to the club, Governor Ueda, who, let me remind you, just hosted all of these people and more at the G7 finance ministers and central bankers in Niigata, Japan last month. So Ueda stole the show with his surprising outspokenness and humor at Sintra, right? But that's a very weird and unusual thing it's 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 a surprise right a surprise to who in particular it's a surprise to the japanese back at home maybe not so the international audience but it's it's certainly a surprise to the domestic japanese because the domestic media coverage back in japan and the broader chatter in general here is one of surprise right like here's a headline ueda cracks jokes at his first overseas trip and the European media is amused and finds him to be funny. That's li literally the headline. Okay. And by the way, they're not saying that in like a bad or negative tone either. And so why are, are we in Japan so surprised more so than the international audience is? It's because this is not the Governor Ueda or even the nominee Ueda that we've seen in the past two, three months since emerging or I suppose re-emerging on the scene. Okay. Because at Bank of Japan press conferences, or in front of Parliament, or even with, or with the media, Kazuo Ueda is a very different person. He speaks very softly, right? He has this like wavering in his voice when, that makes him sound extremely nervous, if not outright lacking confidence in anything he says. And he never, ever has said a joke, right? Let alone cracked a smile during his time so far. In other words, he seems, or he is, far more comfortable in Sintra in front of an international audience speaking in English, this is like debut, than he has ever shown to be in Japan. <coughs> now, that might be like kind of unusual, right? For him or for anyone to somehow be more confident, more relaxed, and even more like humorous in a foreign language and setting relative um, to your home country and your native language, right? Isn't, wouldn't that be kind of weird? And look, maybe it's because Japan is like just too stuffy, right? And so Ueda's in, in Portugal, he's breathing like fresh air of like social norm freedom that isn't available in Japan's very polluted social climate. Um, by the way, I'm not 
being sarcastic, like I'm criticizing Japan's polluted social climate. So I, I can understand that, right? Uh, I don't personally abide by that, if you can't tell, but I get it if that's what he is, you know, kind of experiencing overseas. Or, alternatively, maybe what we're seeing and we're getting here is an Ueda who is enjoying a moment of like a massive boost of confidence, maybe subconsciously. And how is he doing this? In two ways. Number one, heading into this very event, dollar yen was, and still is for that matter, on the precipice breaking into 145 plus, which is the Japan's FX intervention levels from last year. Okay, so he has like kind of currency pressure because of policy divergences. And so before he left Tokyo, it's very, very highly likely that he had assurances from Finance Minister Suzuki and Kanda at the Ministry of Finance that they have their finger on the FX intervention trigger. Okay, and thereby, Ueda had his own sense of confidence that he derived off of that. Um, and that, therefore, that he it, it kind of alleviated him and that now he can discuss policy divergence without having the FX, FX risk overhanging in his mind the whole time. So that's confidence source number one. And then confidence source number two. Okay, so look, these four talk and often, right? As they just said. And so Ueda, this guy has been getting briefed internally, as well as probably from Kuroda himself, his, uh, his predecessor. And he's getting caught up in this whole, everything in this whole situation, right? In addition to starting to get engaged with these talks with these, with these other central bankers. And so going back to my core thesis about the Bank of Japan in the first place. Ueda knows that the Bank of Japan and its yield curve control policy is the last anchor of global QE left. And as I discussed in a recent episode of Market Depth, he's absolutely aware that the other three on stage, they can carry out their own hawkishly, necessarily hawkish policies because the Bank of Japan is holding down the fort, as in keeping a major force from above on bond yields globally with yield curve control and with their easing and thus allowing for these three and basically every other major, you know, major developed economy and country in the world to exercise hawkish tightening policies that otherwise wouldn't or couldn't be as hawkish if not for the Bank of Japan keeping JGB yields at a half percent on the long end and thereby pushing trillions in Japanese capital, the world's largest foreign fixed income holder, into DM bond markets in search of much needed yield. Hell, look, the ECB had just just had held a seminar earlier that same day in that on that same stage in Sintra about policy normalization hosted by the vice president of the ECB who just published a report on BOJ normalization being a major risk to the EU and global fixed income markets as I also covered recently on market depth okay so you know, that is also giving a shot of confidence on this particular stage, at, probably at the subconscious level, like I said, to Ueda, right? Which is absent anywhere and anytime else. It's only it's only there because the, he's literally sitting within reaching distance of Jay Powell, Christine Lagarde, and Andrew ba Bailey, who are, by comparison, very quiet. But that is not the setting that is available in Japanese parliament or in a Bank of Japan press room. Okay, now look, again, I'm not saying 
that Ueda is like abusing his like power or something like that, like above the others, as as if telling jokes are equals like flexing, you know, uh, leverage or something like that. I'm, it's not what I'm saying. Okay. What I am saying is that he's reminded of the enormous dependence and reliance that these other three uh, have upon the Bank of Japan to anchor global rates or to not anchor them suddenly and cause potential massive volatility explosion in government bond markets globally. Massive sell-off in treasury markets, Italian BTPs, French OETs, right? Governor Bailey of all of them knows what a sudden destabilized long end of the guilt market looks like and to have to then conduct emergency yield cur curve control he knows what that's all about he just did that let you know what was it september and october of 2022 now i mentioned how japan and ueda um had hosted you know the the g7 central bankers and finance ministers in in japan and niigata or this year in may this is ahead of the g20 uh hiroshima summit so these are official photos from the g7 website Central bankers meet and talk with fellow central bankers and finance ministers, talk, you know, on the fiscal side, talk with their counterparties, right? But there's a bunch of these in which Bank of Japan Governor Ueda is talking with U.S. Treasury Secretary Yellen, monetary official, fiscal official, and seemingly walking and talking, as in, like, this is like an unscheduled sideline chat and a very long sideline chat at that. Like, how long is this walk, right? Which means that these two must have had a lot to discuss, as Janet Yellen at that time needed to reassure her largest foreign creditor that all is well with the U.S. debt ceiling matter. And or BOJ Governor Ueda is reassuring the United States that the Bank of Japan won't pull the last bastion of QE out from underneath the world and the risk-free United States Treasury rate and market. And look, it's not just Ueda and his confidence, right? It, it works both ways, or it works around that whole sort of stage. Here's Christine Lagarde meeting with Shimizu of the Bank of Japan earlier this month in June. This was just days before Christine Lagarde's super hawkish ECB press conference. That ECB financial stability report calling out Bank of Japan as a risk. That's already out there. Christine Lagarde is about to have our ECB meeting, and this is when these two are meeting. What are they talking about in person? They're obviously talking about what the respective policy is going to be coming out of the Bank of Japan and what's coming out of the ECB. And clearly, Lagarde was reassured that the Bank of Japan is going to be on hold for the BOJ meeting that follows the ECB meeting by one day. And therefore, that allows and fuels Lagarde's confidence to get out there and pound the table on we are not done hiking at the June ECB press conference, as well as the at the Sintra event on, on this very stage, right? It works for all of them. That's what they talk about so frequently. That's why they are very shifty-eyed when asked this question, um, which again, great job, Sarah Eisen, for asking and re-asking that. So that's the big picture takeaway. Sintra is not about Ueda and his jokes. Rather, it's that he has a level of comfort in which he can tell jokes and be a clown about serious matters. And if there's anything that I know about and have expertise in above any, anything else, it's being a clown during serious matters. All right, well, that's it for me. I strongly suggest that if you haven't seen the entire video, it's on YouTube on the ECB channel, and I suggest you take a look at it. But keep all this in mind um, as going forward. 
uh, with this new Bank of Japan governor um, and this new face that he is showing all of us. All right. On behalf of Paul Kuspakaro, my name is Wes Nakamura. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Look, we sign up for this job, and you don't get to determine the conditions that you do it in, so we just got to do it. I mean, that's our job. We signed up for the job, and a woman's got to do what a woman's got to do as well. We know that society's counting on us to do this job, and, and that it really matters. It, I think we all know that. We'll do the things that we need to do to restore it. And Governor Weta is feeling good. I didn't know that there was going to be so much tra traveling and so many press conferences. <laughs> Welcome to the world of central banking. Thank you all so much for...